when we say I'm part of this community or I'm part of this family, or when we say that we, what we love about the centre or what we love about Dural Baptist is that it is a community or a family, that's a confession of belonging. We're saying, I feel like I belong here. And it's really wonderful when we can say that. And I've no doubt that there are many of you who can generally say that this is your spiritual home. This is a place where you feel that you belong and that you are part of the family. But I'm also sure that there are others who don't feel that way, who don't belong. Peter Block, who's written extensively on community formation and engagement, says this communal sense of belonging is the opposite of thinking that wherever I am, I'd be better off somewhere else. And the opposite to belonging is feeling isolated. And we feel that way too often in our world. And I'm sure that place, there are places that you can go and I can go and we can feel that we don't belong. Places where we feel isolated. But where are those places that we go where we feel that we do belong? And how do people come to feel that they belong here? What's the process? The National Church Life Survey lists growth in belonging and involvement as one of the core qualities of church life. It goes on, they go on to say that growth in faith and belonging to a Christian community are intimately connected. And churches should function as spiritual families where members experience friendship, share life, struggles and hope and contribute their gifts. And to be honest, I'm sure that all of us at some point of time didn't always feel like we belonged here. There was a time when you didn't belong and there was probably a period where you weren't sure whether you belonged. But something happened and you came to feel like, I belong here. Well, what changed? What's that process going to look like? For others. Now it's totally normal for us to go through periods of feeling more or less connected to various communities. I remember when uh, June and I first went to, to Broken Hill, they have actually a system of, of, uh, of grading uh, residents. Uh, to be an A grader, you actually have to have been born and bred there. We've got two of those, they're kids. Uh, you could become a B1 if you'd actually spent seven months there. Uh, sorry, seven years there. And uh, other than that, you're a B2 citizen. It actually had implications for employment and all kinds of things. But you always knew that there was a sense when you had stepped over a line and you weren't really belonging, when there was a phrase that was often said to you, and this can be inside the church as well as outside of the church, when someone said, but you're from away. In other words, you don't belong here. 
So you can't speak into this. I recall another experience of feeling isolated in some sense when after we'd moved from Sydney and uh, I was asked to take the funeral of a, of a young adult who'd been a member of our congregation previously in Orange. And he was one of the early persons who died of AIDS. I remember taking his funeral and after the funeral, as was my want to do, I, I would attend if I was invited to any kind of wake or gathering that took place afterwards. So I gathered at this house where there was about 30 or 40 odd people and I realised in a very short period that I'm the only straight person here. I felt very isolated at that time. And it's very possible that for some of you even here today, you ain't sure whether you actually belong here or not. It's very possible that maybe you come here maybe week by week just for an hour and that's fine, I want to continue to encourage that. But you don't feel that you really belong and that's when you hear like things like community is what brings you to the centre or Dural Baptist, when others say that to you, and that's true for there, but for me, hmm. So what do we do with that? We have an enormous amount of people who come through these facilities every week who fall into that category. Sports players, coaches, their families, members of our men's shed, our various youth ministries, our play groups, our inflatable holiday fun, our kids' mania, our women's groups, our home groups and so on, who meet in our premises from time to time. Are they part of our community? Do they belong with us? And do we belong with them? You see, to be part of a Christian community means far more than simply showing up. It means becoming co-owners and co-workers with God and partners with one another to become the kind of communities that God dreams of. And how do we do that? What does that look like? The book of 1 Corinthians is all about the difficulties that faith communities face as they try to figure out what God is really calling them to be and to do. It's what happens after we come to our faith in Jesus and after we say yes to him, after we show up, now what? How do we really come to belong to one another? How are we supposed to relate to others in our faith community and those whom God brings into our areas of influence? How do we engage in a world that doesn't necessarily share our values? How do we tolerate, appreciate or even celebrate differences in our own community? What does it mean to be a community and to belong? First Corinthians is a great example of a community trying to figure this out and for them largely without a map. Because we need to remember that Paul's letters are the earliest writings we have of the new Jesus movement. The only scriptures that they had were the Hebrew scriptures. 
because none of the four Gospels had actually been written down at this time. And so when Paul was writing to the Corinthians, Mark, which was the, the earliest Gospel account, was still 20 years or so from actually being recorded. And this letter shows Paul wrestling with these real-world questions. What does it mean to be a faith community? How do, do people come to feel like they belong? What gets in the way? How do we hold our differences without them tearing us apart? What is necessary after responding to God's call to be his disciple when we say, I believe? What kind of community does God want us to become? Peter Block further says that there's another meaning to belonging. It can also be thought of as longing to be. And being is our capacity to find our deeper purpose in all that we do. It is the capacity to be present, to discover our authenticity, our whole selves. Community is the container within, within which our longing is to be fulfilled. It seems to me that whatever else we mean by it, that's a good core definition for what we mean when we talk about community here. We want the centre to be a place for people to discover their whole selves, to find their deeper purpose in life and to share in the creation of God's dream together. So what does it mean to belong? Belonging is something that we all want, something that we all desire. But it is more than just a, des a desire. Belonging is a deep and profound need that we humans have. It's an irreducible need, says the author and scholar Brene Brown. Brene is a popular and Christian author, a researcher for the Graduate School of Social Work at the University of Houston, and she spent years of studying courage and shame and vulnerability and belonging. And Brene says that those years of research have revealed to her that humans are biologically and cognitively and physically and spiritually wired to love, to be loved and to belong. But belonging isn't as easy as it sounds. It's actually incredibly hard work. Belonging isn't just the same as turning up or signing up. It's not a matter of transferring membership or renewing a subscription or crossing the aisle. Belonging, says Brene, is the innate human desire to be part of something that is larger than us. But she goes on and says, because this yearning is so primal, we often try to acquire it by fitting in and seeking approval, which is not the same thing. We desperately want to belong to something bigger than ourselves. 
And we want it so badly at times that we'll do all kinds of things to achieve it by trying to fit in. But fitting in, says Brown, is just a hollow substitute for belonging. It actually erodes true belonging. And here's the very pithy way she puts it. If I get to be me, I belong. If I have to be like you, I fit in. Belonging, she says, is being somewhere where you want to be and they want you. Fitting in is being somewhere where you want to be but they don't care one way or another. Belonging is being accepted for you. Fitting in is being accepted for being like someone else. There's a danger that we can do all we can all do that. We want to belong, but we settle for fitting in, which only causes tension and grief and friction. And the church has never been immune to this. In fact, in some ways we might be quite susceptible to it. So somewhere around about 50 AD, a convert to the new Jesus movement, a former Pharisee known as Paul, establishes a community of believers in this Greek city of Corinth. And Paul grew and felt strongly that his call to ministry was amongst the Gentiles. And most likely these were non-Jews who were interested in Jewish ethics and who probably even tried to pattern their lives in similar ways, who were trying to fit in the Jewish way of life. And yet Corinth at that particular time was the most important city in Greece. It was a bustling multi-ethnic seaport. It was the capital of its Roman province. And for over a year and a half, Paul lived there and founded a community and then he left for Ephesus, which is current-day Turkey, and which is probably where he, from where he wrote 1 Corinthians. And he stayed in touch with the churches he founded through his letters, nine of which we have, and 1 Corinthians is one of those letters. It's important to note that while we have Paul's responses to the churches at Corinth and Galatia and Thessalonica, and Philippi and Ephesus and Colossae and Rome, we don't have any of their letters to him. We only see one side of the conversation. But the content of Paul's letters mainly focus on the conflicts from which those communities were experiencing. And so we can infer that these letters were written something like, since you've left, we've had this happening, what do you think? What helpful advice do you have to us? They might have asked of Paul. And of course, Paul was never short of saying what he thinks about what we should do. And that's the central issue for the church at Corinth. It's a conflict over belonging. 
At the opening of the letter, Paul says, it's been reported to me that there are quarrels amongst you. Each of you says, I belong to Paul, I belong to Apollos, or I belong to Cephas or Peter, I belong to Christ. You see, Paul wasn't the only itinerant preacher going around spreading the gospel. There was Paulus and Peter and probably quite a few others. And the good folk at Corinth had began talking and taking sides. And desperate for belonging and connection, they gravitated to leaders they liked or who said the things they agreed with or their neighbours sided with. And they started fitting in and insisting that fitting in, uh, insisting others fit in as well, and factions were born. Now, technology has changed. We have texts and Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat and tweets and so forth instead of letters. But the desire to belong is still strong. It's so strong, in fact, that like our ancestors in the faith, sometimes we're willing to step over others' desires and rights to belong so that we feel that we too can belong. And we confuse belonging with fitting in. We want to belong, but we settle for fitting in and we force others to fit in too. Come on, join us. Be part of the team. We have the answers. We know what's right. We're Team Apollo. Or you could put any other reference in there or any particular ministry in there or group. No, we know what's right. We're Team Paul. Better if we do it our way. Paul is, is clearly flabbergasted by this and he responds by saying, is Christ being divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptised in the name of Paul? What's going on, people, he says. Once he moves past this, he then goes on and centres on actual true belonging rather than just fitting in. He says that the world can't figure out God through wisdom. And he says that I'm paraphrasing his response. So God decided to reach us through something that sounds totally crazy, the death and the resurrection of Jesus. For some, demand a sign. Others desire wisdom. But we proclaim Christ crucified. That's it. Our belonging to God and to one another is based on this and nothing else. It's based on our recognition of what God has done for us. Period. Full stop. And because we find our deepest and truest identity in Christ, it is then we can find our whole selves, our true selves and bring that whole self into all our relationships. But again, it's not as easy as it sounds. The rest of Paul's letter is trying to help the Corinthians work out what it means in this context, which is also what we have to do as well. It's not easy for us either. 
we need to be vigilant about making sure that when we invite people into our community, when we invite people into our church family, that we are intentionally welcoming them to be their whole selves, not simply asking them to fit in. You're welcome to come and be just like us is not the message we want to be sending. We want people to truly belong. We live in a time when true belonging is becoming rarer and is becoming desperately needed. And it always and has always been taken a special courage to experience true belonging because it's hard, hard work. In her most recent book, Brene Brown writes, the special courage to truly belong today is about breaking down the walls. It's about abandoning our ideological bunkers and living out our wild heart rather than our weary heart. We're going to need, she says, to, be in, to intentionally be with people who are different from us. We're going to have to learn how to listen, how to have hard conversations, how to look for joy, share pain, be more curious than defensive and all the while seeking moments of togetherness. We need to learn how to have a generous hearts and a generous spirit towards each other and to be there for the other and not focused on ourselves. And so, friends, if, if the church has a call and a mission, it seems to me that this is a big part of it. Because we proclaim Christ crucified, that becomes a stumbling block for some. And it becomes a foolishness to others. We only have to listen to our recent media. But because our truest identity is found and reflected in God's loving care for us, we are free and we are called to live as examples of true belonging. Paul takes this further in chapter 3 when he again raises this issue about factions and divisions being supporters of Apollos and Paul. And these church members in Corinth are focusing on the gifted rather than the gifter. And the result was pride and jealousy and division in the church. And Paul viewed the individuals as inconsequential and mere men and women. The only focus is not the individual but the one who causes the growth, God himself. He reminds them that God will reward each individual according to their own faithful labour and that the glory for growth goes solely to God. That no one has occasion for pride, no one has occasion for inferiority. That God has determined that not to allow human credit for salvation. He designed the growth of the body so that no individual would take credit. In 1 Corinthians 12, 24, 25, we're reminded that God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honour to the parts that lacked it so that there would be no division in the body but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. 
We should therefore care for every member of the body with the same care. Practically, that might seem like an, uh, an impossible expectation. We live in a hero, gl- celebrity, glorifying culture. And our culture dedicates whole magazines and websites and so forth to the glorification of celebrities, actors and athletes. And our glorification stems from a focus on their talent rather than, and their gifts rather than their character. And we may even, over, ex, even excuse or overlook characters' functions because of their talent. And it seems to me to be no different in the body of Christ. We celebrate sometimes the seemingly successful ministries and we overlook sometimes the, the seemingly insignificant. The point is, all members are valuable and necessary for the body of Christ. We cannot afford to ignore or cut off body parts. Yes, it's true, the physical body can still function without certain parts, but it will never function as well as when all the parts perform their God-designed function. When we're aware of how God has designed the body to function, there's no room for boasting because we need each other. There's no room for envy. We all have a particular part to play. Different parts. We're all called. We're all invited to belong, to be co-workers. The challenge for us is to ensure that we offer appropriate care and compassion not only to each other but to those on the edge of our church as well as to those whom God brings into these facilities week by week by week. We need to ensure that our own sense of belonging doesn't build a wall between those of us who are part of the in crowd and anyone else seeking to become part of us. That we don't isolate people on the fringe. Our church community can be either welcoming or exclusive. If it's welcoming, then newcomers and regulars alike will feel that this is home for them, regardless of their background, and they are encouraged to get involved in a ways where they feel comfortable. On the other hand, an exclusive church is likely to have cliques 
where some groups have the say while others don't. May God give us the strength and the courage to be a welcoming place where all people, no matter where they come from or whatever they bring, can come and feel that they can be welcomed and this is a place where they can belong. They can be their true selves so they don't have to compromise just to fit in. Not only when we gather week by week uh, on Sundays, but throughout the week. Let me pray. Father, just as you invite us and you welcome us to belong to you unconditionally, you love us unconditionally, you embrace us, may we also do that to one another and to others to whom you bring into our path. In Jesus' name, amen.